the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Our podcast is sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF provides help at no cost to those whose liberty is being violated, but they can't do it without your help. Call 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or visit townhallreview.com. Thanks, Admiral, for being up as always early. Good to be with you, Hugh. Uh, we dive deep into your uh, your experience, your time at NATO this morning with a short-term question and a long-term. The short-term question is, what's it mean for the president to go to Poland? The long-term question is, what does Brexit, if it's hard, mean for NATO? Let's start with the first one. president's going to Poland this week. You think that's important. Why? Uh, Poland is a big, important uh, anchor country in Europe, Hugh. Uh, think of them as sort of the uh, the main rampart to the east and a buttress against Russia. Fifth largest economy out of 28 or so in Europe, a growing population. Uh, it's historically been poised kind of between Western Europe and Russia. It's been a battleground many times, as you know. Uh, I think it's a good move for the president to go there on Sunday. It's the uh, 80th anniversary of the uh, commencement of the Second World War in 1939. So this is uh, an important historical moment. And keeping Poland integrated with U.S. defense, we've got about 5,000 troops there, all matters a lot. We have a good ambassador there who I know quite well, Ambassador Georgette Mosbacher. She's doing a good job. I think this visit makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Poland has, has been the sort, the scene of one of the president's three major speech, one in Saudi Arabia, one in Poland, one on the anniversary of D-Day. I hope he gives another one. Uh, has his record on NATO been good, bad, or indifferent? He certainly has talked tough towards our NATO allies, but he's also gotten them to move towards the 2% goal they have promised to reach of defense spending as a percentage of GDP. I think you've summarized it well. Um, The atmospherics at times have been strained, let's be honest. Um, Part of that has been he's taken an extremely aggressive approach. Now, I worked both for President Bush, uh, the second, if you will, and, uh, and for President Barack Obama. Both of them also pushed very hard on NATO. Uh, Neither of them, truth be told, got the results that President Trump has gotten by taking an extremely forceful, uh, personal kind of lean in on the get up to 2% of GDP. That was something I pushed hard uh, constantly as Supreme Ally Commander myself. So put that side of it in the win category. Um, I think where the strain has been with NATO has been on uh, U.S., a sense that the U.S. will not step up and take on uh, continued operational leadership roles the way we have in the past, uh, kind of walking out of Afghanistan, coming out of Syria. Uh, there's frustration with the Europeans on that score. That's created tension in the alliance. My my sense overall is uh, we're still in a good place with NATO, but if we want to maintain it, we're going to have to continue to work more operationally to take these leadership roles. Now, Admiral, I'm leery of the withdrawal plan the president is touting on Afghanistan and of the peace with the Afghans. What 
uh, is the role of NATO in Afghanistan. If the president decides to pull the U.S. troops out, is it a de facto withdrawal of NATO as well? I think it will be. It's, it, it feels very unlikely to me that the alliance would want to remain there after a U.S. withdrawal. Let's back up. This has always been a NATO mission. When I commanded it, it had 150,000 troops there, about 100,000 from the U.S., 50,000 from the rest of NATO. Um, we're now down to about uh, 15,000 U.S. troops and about 7,000 NATO troops. If the U.S. pulls its entire contingent uh, NATO will, the rest of NATO will surely follow. The right answer here, my view, is not a complete withdrawal, but we could afford further downsizing and then see if the Taliban live up to the promises of a ceasefire working with the Afghan government and, and see if we can avoid something you and I are both old enough to remember, which is the end of the war in Vietnam, where we, yep. we just cut and run. And that led to a major collapse. And we cut and ran in Iraq, and it's ISIS uh, uh, yes. filled its vacuum. When we cut and run, bad things happen. Admiral, if I can get you to expand a little bit on how NATO operates. It's a, it's a job, you inherited a job that goes back to Ike, and there's a direct line to Eisenhower as a Supreme Allied Commander of the forces that cross the channel. And it exists today, and I said at the beginning of the interview, Boris Johnson has said he's proroguing Parliament. We're getting very close to a hard Brexit. Let's just assume for a moment that it is a hard Brexit. There is no deal, and uh, none is forthcoming quickly after a hard Brexit. Tell us how NATO operates, and tell us whether or not a hard Brexit would, in fact, impact that. Um, luckily, it will not. And uh, I, I've often said, and I believe this, that in the event of a hard Brexit, which I, I believe would be a mistake for Great Britain and a mistake for the rest of Europe to allow that to occur. There ought to be a, a way to negotiate this Irish backstop and, and have an orderly withdrawal. Leaving that aside, if a hard Brexit happens, NATO is essentially unaffected by that. The treaty that <clears throat> excuse me, the treaty that establishes NATO has nothing to do with the European Union. Uh, the U.K. will continue to operate, will continue to be in all the billets that they're in now. For example, the deputy commander of NATO, the deputy supreme allied commander, has always been a Brit. Eisenhower's first deputy was Bernard Montgomery, the British general in World War II. So all of those relationships will continue. And in a, a kind of a counterintuitive way, Hugh, uh, Brexit and a hard Brexit will, I think, actually strengthen NATO because NATO will then become a mechanism where Great Britain is interacting with all of its uh, partners on the European continent, with the U.S. engaged, I think that then becomes a very powerful transatlantic forum. So uh, I don't believe or want a Brexit, but I don't think it hurts NATO. NATO will continue to operate as it has historically since its founding. Now, if I were looking for a single commentator in the United States to comment on whether or not there will be a hard Brexit, what's going on between the UK and the EU, it would be you because you know all these people and you've dealt with them in negotiation. I think Boris Johnson is negotiating the EU. I just think he's thrown down a hard line so that everyone has to get serious. What is your assessment of his strategy and tactics, Admiral Stavridis? You have... Uh articulated it perfectly. This is a, a very uh, high-risk, high-reward uh, high strategy by Johnson. What he is hoping for is that by not blinking, 
the rest of the EU is going to blink because, the yes, Britain will have a very difficult time in the wake of a no-deal Brexit, but the continent will as well. It, it, it's kind of bad for everybody. And Johnson is also banking on two other factors. One is the support of President Trump, which I think he will have pretty obviously in, in getting Britain to a trade deal quickly if there is a hard Brexit. And then secondly, the downward pressure at the moment on the German economy, which is significant. Um, Angela Merkel and her successor are not looking for other exogenous factors that would pressure that German economy. So he may he may succeed in this strategy. I'd say he has a one in three chance of the Europeans uh, blinking on this. That's higher than certainly Theresa May ever got to. And uh, personally, I hope that the Europeans do blink and that they negotiate the Irish backstop, as it's called, and that would uh, enable a negotiated exit for Britain. That's what he's hoping for. Again, I think one in three, maybe a one in two chance of pulling that off. He's on a he's on a tight rope. I am going to explain the backstop after the break because I want to get one more question into you about the French. They invited without notice the the Iranian (laughs) foreign minister Zarif to drop in on the G7. This was a day after a fatwa was issued against the Foundation for the Defense of Democracy by this killer rogue regime. What are the French doing? I mean, you had to deal with them for years. What did what did they think they were doing? Let's start with the good news. As I always say about France, they were our first ally. They were there with us at Yorktown. Uh, Part of the reason we broke away from Great Britain was the support of the French, Lafayette. There's a lot of goodness to France. The French can also be endlessly annoying in situations like this, and this is a good example of an unnecessary footfall that just kind of in in a very public way throws pressure on President Trump about his approach to Iran. I don't think it was a smart move by Pres- by um, uh, by Macron, and I think that it, it will only uh, increase the tendency of the United States not to want to deal with Iran. Having said all that, uh, President Trump, I thought, uh, did a reasonably good job when he said, hey, I'm willing to meet with the president of Iran. Unfortunately, in the last day or so after that statement, we've heard that the Iranians are demanding that we back off on sanctions before such a meeting. So we're still stuck at loggerheads. The French uh, bringing the the foreign minister had no effect one way or the other in the end. Last question, Admiral. The Wall Street Journal has a commentary by Jonathan Spire this morning. The Iran-Israel war is here. Israel and Iran are at war. Israeli strikes this week in southern Syria, western Iraq, and eastern Lebanon, possibly even Beirut. Confirm it. Your assessment. Accurate. And unfortunately... With the Iranian regime's um, increasing propensity to move back into the nuclear program and and their justification that they use is, well, the U.S. has put sanctions on us, therefore we're going to start rebuilding our nuclear program. Europeans caught in the middle of this aren't going to be effective resolving it. Um, Again, I think that the tension in the world, there are plenty of hot spots around the world from Venezuela to Beijing to Hong Kong. Uh, to Syria, to Afghanistan. The one we ought to be worrying about is the Arabian Gulf and Iranian uh, move toward a nuclear program and Israel's decision to move out unilaterally. Part of that, of course, is part of the election cycle in Israel. But I think that war is inevitable. 
The question is whether it drags us into a larger war in the region. Uh, I, I'm, I'm worried about about the situation in the Middle East and Iran more than I have been in quite a while. That means I'm worried, too. Admiral Stavridis, always comprehensive, always a pleasure. Thank you, my friend, for joining us. See you soon. Hey, thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Our podcast is sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF provides help at no cost to those whose liberty is being violated, but they can't do it without your help. Call 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or visit townhallreview.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.